And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. We are back here after a break from the weekend. I survived the Scottsdale heat. Do as much do on a bachelor party. Grew a mustache, George. But the more things change, the more things stay the same. And we start today's podcast, George, with yet again, Jonathan Taylor drama. The latest from Tuesday's practice is this. Jonathan Taylor was not there. The first time he was not seen at practice, all at training camp. After practice, head coach Shane Sykett said he was just getting some treatment, and he wants to see Jonathan Taylor being able to practice before he's able to play at some point in the regular season. We have just learned, George, in recent moments, according to Ian Rappaport, tremendous NFL insider at NFL Network, that the absence for Jonathan Taylor was excused and that he's actually not at the facility whatsoever and instead is getting treatment right now away from the team on the same ankle that he had surgery on all the way back in January. And obviously the same ankle that gave him a lot of problems in 2022. So we talked, George, in the beginning when he was put on pup. Is he holding in? Is this more of an exaggeration to send a statement in order to get a new contract? We talked about it last week as kind of things evolve. Of, should we actually be concerned that this ankle injury is worse than maybe we thought going into camp? Again, seven months removed from ankle surgery. It's supposed to be on paper about a month roughly recovery. And again, that was back on January 25th. On August 8th, George, he is now away from the team, getting more treatment on that same ankle. Is it officially time to be concerned of Jonathan Taylor's status for week number one, just from a pure injury perspective? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, if he's if 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 everything is to be taken at face value and he is off site right now, uh, getting more treatment on this ankle that should have been taken care of in February, that's highly concerning. And it's highly concerning for this season. It's highly concerning for his prospects of getting paid, uh, not just by this team, but but by any team. I mean, we've we've talked over and over again about how bad the running back market is and, you know, how difficult it is for running backs everywhere. If you're an injured running back, it's going to be twice as, as tough. So, um, you know, my advice, if I was his agent right now, would be to get healthy and to get out on the field as quickly as possible and to put the contract talk and, and the trade talk away uh, because I think the only way out of this now is to come out through your health and show that you're – that you're the guy, you know, that you have him because we've seen what he can be. I mean, there's a reason he's consistently called the best offensive player on this team. You know, it's true. He is absolutely the the most important offensive weapon they have, the, the guy that's going to keep defenses up at night. Uh, but he's got to be healthy to do that. And it wouldn't be the first time, unfortunately, that we saw a guy play through something uh, and make it worse. You know, maybe he shouldn't have been out on the field as much as he was last year. That That's all going to be conjecture and parts of this too, but – if it's truly the ankle, which is, you know, at this point, that's what we have to take it for. That's highly concerning. I would agree. And George, why I think it's time on August 8th to admit, hand up, I was wrong. Every podcast we've done so far since Jonathan Taylor has kind of staged his little, well, since Jonathan Taylor's voice will say his frustration about not getting a contract extension, which is essentially since uh, camp started. I've been on the team or I've been on the side of paying Jonathan Taylor was the right move and the Colts have messed up by not doing so. I think I got to be wrong, George. I think, you know what? It's time to retire the run the damn ball hat. Big day. At least for now, because despite how they handled it again, handling it's a different situation, but the decision by Chris Ballard and a little bit by Jim Mersey to not pay Jonathan Taylor right now looks to be the right one. Because how can you pay a guy right now, even though he's 24 years old, for the fact that this ankle surgery, and again, by all reports, by all 
anecdotes was supposed to be a month recovery. We're now going on seven and a half months removed from this ankle surgery. And there's still issues. There's still problems. There's still, you know, obviously flare-ups where he still needs more treatment and is not healthy enough to get on the field. That is clearly a major concern um, about paying him and his long-term ability to stay healthy. And like you said, right now with an already devalued market, even though he is the best offensive player on this team, we know and you know and I know and everyone knows it. If you're not healthy, it doesn't matter how good you are. Your best ability is availability. And if you can't trust Jonathan Taylor right now to be healthy, I don't see how making, you know, giving him extension makes any sense. And so, especially if we're Jim Mercer talking about how he wants Jonathan to play in 2023, be healthy, and then they'll revisit the contract talks after the 2023 season. I can't sit here and call Jim Mercer crazy. He's 100% right. And because right now, if you can't trust Jonathan Taylor's ankle that it's fully back, or you want to see first and foremost how his body responds after the surgery. Colts are 100% right. They are 100% right, at least in terms of not giving Jonathan Taylor the contract right now because if you can't truly believe he's healthy or want to see um, how his ankle responds, that's the right move right now. No, 100%. You know, I look, I don't know if I'd, if I'd have to see the whole year. I think I've seen enough from him in his career that, that I'd probably only need to see September or maybe the first part of October before I would feel comfortable if, if he looked right. But, but I definitely wouldn't want to make the deal right now. That doesn't let them off the hook for the way they've handled this. Like you said, right. it's still been a circus. Right. It's still been, uh, you know, far more contentious than it than it should be. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, there's 32 teams in the league. Not a one of them is going to play a, a running back with an ankle injury. That's just not going to happen. Um, so, you know, I, look, I, through this whole thing, and I think I've been pretty consistent with this, I, I feel for JT, you know, I, his situation – it's tough. The running back situation in general is tough. You, you've got an owner right now who's saying you're not getting an extension, but we're also not trading you. But we want you to come out here and put it all on the line, even though you are dealing with something and, and you coming off a year in which you were dealing with something. But we're not going to give you any guarantees beyond that. So just come out here and, and you know, basically he's being asked to come out and be the 2021 version of, of Jonathan Taylor. And the reward might be nothing. And that's that's a tough sell. Uh, but that being said, it's the right sell uh, if he's if he's truly injured. And that's as cold as that is, that's the cold, hard business side of this. So I think, you know, A, I feel for, for Jonathan Taylor uh, because it's a really tough situation to be in. And B, I think everybody, including the team, just wants to see him get healthy and get back out on the field and, and be himself. And I, and I think that – I said a couple of weeks ago, and I still think that's his best play right now is to come out here and remind everybody why he's the best offensive player on this team, remind everybody why he's arguably the best running back in the NFL, and then put a neon flag, you know, put a neon sign up that says, come get me. I mean, that, that I think that's what you do. Um, pay me, whoever you are, you know, Indy or, or 31 other teams, look what I can do. Um, and I hope for his sake, that's, that's, that's the way this plays out. But uh, if he's out there getting treatment away from the building, there's, you know, whose name's going to come up and, and it's, I'm not going to mention it, uh, but it it brings back a lot of bad memories around here. That it does, without a doubt. And to your point, George, like a, of John and Taylor's best option right now being get healthy and remind everyone that 2021 was not a fluke and that you're back to being that guy quickly. That's his only option because even though he wants a trade, you just mentioned, George, it's unfair and cold, the reality of the NFL business. But just because the Colts aren't willing to pay you doesn't mean that anyone else is. Like there's no team right now that's going to trade for you 
uh, if you don't get back on the field. There's no team that's going to blindly, not seeing you practice or playing a game, going to give up assets and then most likely have to try to give you some sort of extension either immediately or after the season. No team is going to do that without trying to fully trust and be able to know you can get back to that 2021 level. So even though he wants a trade, Right now, he has no option but to get back on the field because his value is at zero. No team's going to trade for him right now until they know he's fully healthy, bare minimum. And so for Jonathan Taylor, like you said, the best option, his only option right now is getting back on the field as soon as he can and showing that 2021 is still in him going forward. He's a lot of prime years left to give, whether it's for the Colts or another team. I don't see how he's going to be able to do that without getting back on the field first and foremost, whether that's in training camp or when the regular season does come. So that's Pagano. When Chuck Pagano was here, one of his big lines was make yourself necessary. He meant the bottom of the, the roster mm-hmm. guys. That they come out here and, you know, make yourself necessary, make it impossible to cut you. And and I think that's where JT is now. Go out there and, and make the combination of him and, and Anthony Richards something that this team cannot live without. It's fair. I think you're in terms of getting the money, that's how you're gonna do it. again, whether it's for the Colts or another team, that's how you truly prove your worth and you show that. Even though you are running back, you still bring a lot of value and you still deserve to get paid like a, you know, a very highly compensated offensive player, despite the fact the position you play, again, is right now being devalued. But what I'm very concerned about as well, George, is the fact that not only is he still rehabbing an ankle injury, but he's still, but now he's rehabbing an ankle injury away from the team. Like up until this point, we've seen Jonathan Taylor at practice. Now, obviously, he's not practicing, but he's at least there with the team. And I'm going to assume, tell me if I'm wrong or this assumption's out of bounds, that even though he's not practicing, that ankle injury obviously was giving him some sort of issues that he was rehabbing it, at least here at Grand Park with Colts trainers. Right, I'm assuming he's not just walking up to practice, going to meetings and going home without getting any sort of work done on the ankle. I'm assuming before practice, after practice, whenever, he is getting some sort of rehab done with the Colts at the facility and then obviously tracking his progress. The fact that now he's, and according to Ian Rappaport, having an excused absence, so the Colts are approving of this, Going away from the team, whether it's back home, whether it's somewhere else, wherever his personal trainer is, or seeing, you know, second opinion from some sort of um, specialist, that to me is even more concerning right now that he feels that it's not progressing the way he wants or that it's getting worse, that he has to leave the team and go somewhere else. His obviously status of week one is in, in major doubt, but it's also just a major concern for 2023 that we could be kind of reliving the Shaq Leonard 2022 season debacle, albeit a different injury, but basically reliving that all over again this year. He's never truly healthy and never able to kind of find out the right cause of what's given him issues. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that a couple times around here. You saw it with Andrew Luck. You've seen it now with Shaq Leonard. And it, there's there's too many echoes of that here. And and that's, yeah, you know, that's unfortunate. And, and we'll see, you know, uh, if he's not, rehabbing the injury then, then then what else would he be doing you know away from the team and why else would it be excused and if it is this injury as the reports are right now it's highly concerning and you do have serious you know doubts about week one and about anything beyond week one um but you know the other part of that is we don't know what it is you know maybe he's going for a checkup to get a second opinion to say that he's ready to go i, I don't know you know, it could be – we don't know what point in the the process it is, but just the fact that they're doing anything, even even a, a second opinion to get you cleared right now is a highly concerning thing for an injury that should have been, you know, behind you in February. Without a doubt, was there any concern today from Shane Sykin after practice about Jonathan Taylor not being there? I mean, Shane Sykin's not giving a lot of details uh, necessarily, but 
nothing? He's saying nothing. And, you know, he, he said, you know, that the hope is that when he's ready, that, that he'll be able to go. And he hopes to see him out here before camp ends. But, you know, it, it's all a health thing. So, um, but, you know, he didn't mention the, the off-campus treatment or, or any of that element either. So, um, yeah, no details there from the team today, at least. When he says camp ends, training camp ends a week from Thursday, like at least at Grand Park. Is he talking about next Thursday or is this like basically before all of training camp ends, which is basically the week before the week one game is uh, against the Jaguars, so basically Labor Day weekend? I mean, we're still interpreting Shane a lot because it's still early days with him, but most of the coaches that I've been around with, when they talk about camp ending, they mean the end of the preseason. You know, they mean okay. that the week before the regular season starts. So um, I assume that unless he clarifies that, that that's what he means. Most of them, that's because, you know, they, they consider and they're right going back to the facility is still training camp because they're still in training camp mode. Um, I haven't been around coach yet, but didn't treat it that way. So unless Shane clarifies, I'll assume that, that he's talking about the end of August. And we know there's not a lot of details or clarification right now with Shane Sykes, at least early on, that he's not big into details and big to giving out a lot. So you're probably right. We'll assume the the larger timeline of basically before week one, he hopes to get out of practice, which again, does not say much right now. Again, Jonathan Taylor away from the team, getting some sort of rehab done, excused by the Colts to check out that ankle. That's given him a lot of problems. Seven and a half months, George, removed from surgery back in January. Very, very concerning. This also brings us to hype or hullabaloo because this is speaks to a larger point. But I found this very interesting. So Matt Ryan was talking with The Athletic on Monday. And Matt Ryan, of course, is asked about his time with the Colts. And he said, direct quote here, I'll clean it up for the audience because this is a, a family-friendly show. But he was asked about his time with the Colts last year. This is Matt Ryan. Quote, I mean, it was a blank show. Blank starting with an S, if you know what I mean, a four-letter word. You know, it was a blank show of 18 months, basically, is the best way to describe it. Then went in to talk about, you know, the the firing of Frank Reich, the hiring of Jeff Saturday. He said, quote, and then our season shakes out, which is a book all to itself. I felt like I've probably seen it all in 14 years and then realized, no, you have not. You have not seen it all. There's a lot of other things that are going to come up. It was a difficult year. There's no doubt about it, end quote. None of those quotes, George, are surprising. Right? We, we all witnessed last year. We all saw a playoff right in front of our eyes. None of those quotes are out of bounds, unfairly characterized. And I think Matt Ryan is 100% right in everything he just said. But here's where fair I want to bring in fair play. Here's where I want to bring up Hyper Hullabaloo and kind of talk about this now, spinning it forward, not to revisit 2022, because I think we can both kind of bury that year, uh, hopefully for good. Please, please. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need to uh, revisit. There's enough drama in 2023 to keep us busy. We don't got to go back to the doldrums of 2022. But here's where I want to kind of spin it forward here and ask or hype or hullabaloo. Are there, have the Colts changed that much? When Matt Ryan's coming to the bleep show last year, you look at right now, the only thing that's really changed, the head coach, which obviously could be a big impact, and the quarterback. Two massive impactful positions to help kind of get the things going forward. But obviously Chris Ballard's are there. Obviously, Jim Mercer is the ringleader, and we do know everything in sports and in business does start at the top. Jim Mercer is at the top of that ladder. A lot of players um, are still here as well from 2022. So let me ask you this, George. Hyper hullabaloo. The Colts are still a blank show, 
going into 2023 and not much has changed from 2022 so far. I would say, I would say to this point, hype. I mean, we talked about, you know, the pre-training camp pod that it's clean slate, wipe it away, start over, let leave the circus in 2022 and, 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 you know, start fresh, start anew. And that lasted like a day and a half. (laughs) And then the, the Jonathan Taylor situation took over. And I think that alone is, and you know, like I said, we may look back on it differently when, when all is said and done, because if it is an injury, then obviously you look at everything in a, in a little bit different light. It doesn't change the way it was handled. It doesn't change the elementary school food, food fight on social media. It doesn't change, you know, any of the optics around it. It just makes their stance initially more understandable, but ultimately, yeah, that to me is, is, it feels too much like last year and and you didn't want any remnant of last year. You didn't want to whisper an echo of last year coming in. Now it doesn't doom the Shane Sykin era. It doesn't doom the Anthony Richardson era. I mean, those guys still do have a fresh start, but there, there's definitely too much of 2022 still lingering around here. Maybe that's not the case in September, October. Uh, they better hope it's not. I think that's something that, that, that doesn't make, should be a major goal for the franchise. Um, but where we're at right now, like you said, what has changed? I mean, I, that's the bottom line. What has changed? I'm with you. It's 100% hype. And like you said, thankfully for the Colts going forward, they have they have the two positions changed that can drastically now mm-hmm. change our answers from hype to hullabaloo, hopefully sooner rather than later with the head coach change and the quarterback change. But right now, George, it's not about – like the, the frustration part for the Colts, the frustrating part about the Colts is I think they have the last – over the last two years – they have made more right decisions than wrong, meaning I thought Matt Ryan at the time they acquired him was the right move. When they fired Frank Reich, again, at this point, I think we were both in agreement that team was lifeless, that was dead. Okay, the right move. Not paying Jonathan Taylor uh, a contract extension before this year, George, we're seeing played out right in front of our eyes, is looking like the right move and the smart football move. The issue is how they've handled it, how they've publicly talked about it, all three of those moves have hurt and damage a team and made them truly a laughing stock. Like they are one of right now, especially with the commanders um, selling and dance Snyder being out of the NFL. They are now one of a, one of the candidates to being one of the most dysfunctional teams in the NFL, even though again, I think overall decision-making has been more right than wrong. But when you hire Jeff Saturday in the way that, and the way that whole thing was handled, and the way Jim Mercer yep. talked about Jeff Saturday so defiantly, so arrogantly, and that blew up right in his face. Again, firing firing Frank Reich, I would say at that point was the right right move, and you need some sort of spark to try to save the season. Backfire because it was a total total circus. Not paying Jonathan Taylor again is looking like the right move now with his ankle still being a, a problem or still not being 100 healed. But the way you handle it, you bring an RV to practice. You bring Jonathan Taylor on the bus. You're tweeting about the running back situation. You're getting in a fight with his agent. Like how the public, how they publicly handled this, has been all wrong and, and all an embarrassment. To where the fact that again, like Matt Ryan is not wrong. He calls it a blank show. And like you said, even though Jeff Saturday is no longer there, even though you would think with a new head coach and Chase Sykin, who is very business, you know, he's business first and business uh-huh. only. He doesn't, he doesn't give you a lot of quotes. He's not Mr. Personality. He has ball, 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 which, frankly, George, what this team needs. You draft yeah. a quarterback for the first time uh, in over you know over a decade, and you finally, after five years of Band-Aids, try to get the, the franchise guy at, at pick number four. 
there's reasons to be optimistic, but each time you have a reason to be optimistic, something happens, George, that again, just, they just totally bungle. And like you said, the two guys, or really the one guy in Jim Mercer, who's done a lot of this is still here. So right now it's hundred percent hype because really, even though the coach has changed, the quarterback has changed, not much else has changed, George. And that's where this team is right now. One of the laughing stocks of the league. And it's sad. Well, and, you know, I think one of the biggest reasons we were talking about you got to get the circus out of town is for that rookie quarterback. And and that's where I think there's just more pressure on Anthony Richardson's shoulders. As, as these kind of things continue to go on, and maybe Jonathan Taylor not being out here might be less about the team and more about the injury, although him requ- requesting a trade is more about the team and less about the injury. Uh, but, you know, regardless of how that's played out, it, it hurts him. Uh, but also, you know, the, just the the – I don't know the the optics or or you know the the implication that that he has to be the guy to pull them out of this dysfunction that he has to be the guy to lead them back to respectability. That's a lot to ask of a rookie quarterback to put on a twenty one year old's shoulders, uh, and I don't think it's fair. I I would agree. Now look, guys have done it. We've seen Joe Burrow with the Bengals. Right, the Bengals were notoriously poorly run for a long time, and, and one draft pick, one guy changed around the entire perception of or, uh, of an organization. So it can happen, but you're 100% right. Right now, the Colts need Anthony Richardson more than he needs them, and that's a problem. You know, like that's, that's a situation where you are relying more on one guy rather than giving him the tools and resources to have, you know, to help him out. You were kind of almost asking him to bail you out, and that's especially before he's even taken a professional snap. That's a big-time problem. And concerning that, again, even though he's not involved in the drama, even though, you know, nothing negative saying is being said about him – it's still just the overall vortex is sucking him into it. I think you're right. It does, in an indirect way, put more pressure on him and kind of almost ask him to be the savior. When reality, when you drafted him, that's the last thing you need to ask him for because you needed to help him out first before he could help you out. And it's almost like roles are reversed in the matter of a few weeks of training camp. This is a quarterback who needs to be nurtured. Everybody said that from, from the get-go. He needs a good situation around him. He needs to, to be able to grow. He needs to make his mistakes, learn from them, improve every week. It's hard to do that, you know, when there's a clown car circling you and, and there's elephants over in the ring next to you and, you know, and then trapeze artists above you. And you, you can't have that going on. He needs to be able to come out and grow and make his mistakes and be, you know, we, we talked about it a couple times already. We thought the focal point of this summer was going to be Anthony Richardson and he has been story one B, but again, today we're leading with Jonathan Taylor and it's too much to ask for a rookie. I mean, this should be a situation where you're giving him everything you can uh, to grow and giving him the best situation. It's no different than a kid. You know, you want that kid. It takes a village, right? You, you want to give them the best teachers, the best coaches, the best parents, the best, food, everything around them needs to be as good as it can possibly be so they can grow up, reach their potential. Quarterback's the same way. And right now, the Colts are being bad parents. And just to go back to JT, because this just you saying that kind of spurred this in my head, and it makes this whole situation even more frustrating. Just look at today, George. Jonathan Taylor's not with the team. And according to Ian Rappaport, he was not with the team yesterday. So the last two days, he's been excused. The Colts have approved it. He is going to get rehab. They could have easily gotten out in front of this and either put out a press release yesterday or today saying, as a heads up, JT is not here. He's getting rehab. And you could have spun it in a way that makes you seem like everything's all good here. Nothing to be concerned about. This was scheduled. This is you know what we're doing to make sure he's back, ready to go, week number one. 
there are plenty of people on the payroll that get paid a lot of money, George, to spin things in a positive way to make it seem like you have a handle of the situation. And now when that doesn't happen, when the first time we realize Jonathan Taylor is not a practice, uh, not a practice, is when you walk on the field and don't see him for the first time in training camp. When after a practice, Shane Syke is saying, "Yeah, he's not away from the team; he's getting rehab, and you know, will you expect him back sometime?" And you have a national reporter breaking news that he's been uh, excused from practice, and now he's away from the team and away from the facility. George, the Colts numerous times going back to the trade request as well. They constantly fail to get ahead of things. And when you don't get ahead of things, George, it's either you control the story or the story controls you. And it's frustrating that they have continually had the story control them and they've not learned their lesson. They have not learned their lesson. They have not been honest. They have not gotten ahead of it. They have not. They have no foresight. And it's situations, again, where even today, where something, it could be very minor, George. It could be. It could be. But the fact is be. that they got did not get ahead of it, and now we're learning bits and pieces of information maybe more from Jonathan Taylor's side than the Colts' side, we have to think that they are kind of losing control of the situation, even though this could be, again, all planned and everything could be all well. Them not saying anything or them not mapping it out leaves plenty of room for interpretation. Like we just talked about, they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt anymore for how they handled, even just this past year, PR-wise, they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. I mean, yeah, it's not even like speculation as far as you know how how different it is when when they get ahead of it. Last week, Anthony Richards has nasal surgery. They tell us before practice that he's not going to be out here. He had nasal surgery. He'll be back, you know, as soon as he can, and and the hope is the next day. And he's back the next day, and it, it was nothing. You know, we tweeted out early on, hey, Anthony Richards not going to be out here today. He had nasal surgery. He came back the next day. It was done. You controlled that story. This was the exact opposite. I, and I don't get the disconnect. Uh, and how like you said, right. Like there was no concern. We mentioned it on the podcast. It was not a big deal. We kind of wait and see. And the next day he's out of practice. Okay. Everything's well. Imagine they didn't put anything out. All of a sudden you have Anthony Richardson yep. off to the it side. Been this over again. What the hell's going on? Is everything okay? And it's just a situation where it makes no sense how it's continually. Like, I feel like I'm living in a world of insanity and living out the definition. It's a twilight zone. I mean, it just, it's, it's a twilight zone and, and, it's in, it is insanity. Um, but that's, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the end product's what matters. And when you do these things coming off a of four, 12 and one season, they all look worse. They all feel worse. The chiefs have a holdout right now with, with uh, Chris Jones and, and it's not nearly this, but they just won the Super Bowl. So it's a little bit different situation. You know, when, when you're four, 12 and one, and this is going on and you've had the RV situation and you've had all the other nonsense that's already happened it's going to cast us in a negative light because that's what history tells us to do with it. That's actually a great point. Think about it. Two of the best players in the league in Chris Jones of the chiefs, Nick Bosa of the 49ers, both are holding out, not a camp whatsoever. You know what the 49ers and the chiefs are not doing, have their owner roll up in an RV and bring them on board to talk about contract negotiations during practice, make a big spectacle of, you know, saying, saying things or tweeting things that inflame the other side when it's truly not necessary, even if it's the truth, just, you know, what's not George, sometimes just letting it go or sitting one out benefits everyone. They are handling it. Even though, again, we are two, two teams that have done things the right way and, and two players that are expecting mega deals at positions that are resetting the market at defensive end. They are handling it internally and they at least publicly right now doing everything possible. We have no reason to believe that the 49ers and the chiefs are like, that the sides are far apart or contentious. They could be for all we know. Mm -hmm. and, and both maybe 
willing to sit out regular season games. But at least right now, perception-wise, they have a handle of the of the story, and everything is all well, I'm sure, in Kansas City and San Francisco. No one's freaking out. The opposite's happened here, and clearly now there's speculation every day. There's news stories coming out left to right. There's Twitter fights. It's it's ugly, and all George could have been avoided. You said before the pod, I could not uh, agree more. We're sick of talking about Jonathan Taylor. Like, like yep. we want to talk about football. We want to talk about Anthony Richardson's weekend, Shaq Leonard progressing. You know, we on our preview training camp pod, we talked about all the positions and all the position battles that are excited uh-huh. to watch. Defensive back, like defensive end, like there's a lot of guys to watch, George. And we have honestly talked about none of it in part because half the pod every day is taken up about Jonathan Taylor and his future and what's the latest news and is he going to play and is he actually hurt now? Um, and it's it's frustrating because again, this is. The, the drama off the field is not good. And again, only makes the Colts look worse, not better. And so nope. another day of leading off with John and the Taylor, another day of just uncertainty. And again, the appearance at least, and as we know, perception is reality, the appearance of the Colts losing control of the situation and another day of waiting, another day of waiting for someone to say something um, on a team that does not really give a lot of answers. And guess what, George? It's not worked before and it's not working currently. And I, here's a hot take. I don't think it's going to work in the future if they stay on this right path. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you on that one. I think that's probably not going to uh, to get any better in, in situations like these. Now, the one thing that is going well, you know, to, to shift things a little bit is, is Shaq Leonard. Uh, you know, we talk about a situation that is getting better. He got on the field this weekend. He's in full pads. He's cleared for full contact. He's not doing full practice in the sense that he's not taking every rep that he would normally take. He's still on a pitch count, but he's doing a little bit of everything. And I think the biggest story there was on Sunday, both uh, defense coordinator Gus Bradley and linebackers coach Richard Smith said they saw a spike. They saw a real jump from him in terms of his movement, in terms of his, you know, fluidity on the field, his athleticism coming back. Um, There's still work to do. There's no question. Uh, and I think, you know, Richard Smith was very adamant in saying he, he's not here to say that Shaq Leonard is going to get back to that that three-time All-Pro spot. No one knows that right now. But he does know is he's in a better spot mentally than he's been in, and he's 100% committed to this team, and he's 100% committed to this defense, and that goes a long way. And I think that goes for the quarterback as well. I think they feel like this is a guy who's really locked in, whose work I think is, is extraordinary, uh, you know, and, and that when you, when you add those two things with talent usually comes out well. Uh, so I think the arrows pointing in the right direction on Shaq, uh, which is good. You were talking about the defensive backs. They're all here now at corner. You know, you've got Darius rush out there again. You've got Julius Brent's out there for the first time. Uh, so, that's good because that competition's starting to heat up and and maybe we'll get to see all four of them in the game on Saturday, which would be a positive step forward. Um, Taekwon Lewis is back in the mix. That's important. He came off pub today. He's out there doing his thing, you know, uh, and, and apparently, according to Samson Ebukam, bringing a lot of energy and juice to practice, which is kind of Taekwon's thing. But all of those things, like you just said, all of them, overshadowed on a daily basis by a food fight with a running back that was at least 75% avoidable. And I mean, you look at it from an injury perspective, George, you take obviously John, let's just put John Taylor to the side and put him in his own category. This has been so far, I'd argue the best case scenario for the Colts in terms of no serious injuries, 
I'm excited, especially the, the you know the best overall player, um, if you will, and obviously the most important to the defense, it's Shaq Leonard. Mm-hmm. We had no idea what to expect, right? We had no idea what to expect in the sense that he was not on pup to, to start training camp, which was huge. He was at practice the first day, again limited, but they're going to talk about baby steps. And here we are, mm-hmm. George, two and a half weeks in a training camp, and he's doing full team eleven on eleven full contact drills. It's still over a month to go before the season. This is the best case scenario. This is a tremendous, tremendous sign going forward that the maniac is slowly getting his way back to his old form. You're right. He's not going to get on the field in the first 11 on 11 drill and be the three-time all pro we saw and just be the total disruptor at his position uh, that we know he can be. But the fact that right now, again, we're talking about over the weekend, so what is it, August 5th, 6th, 7th? He is back in there kind of getting his feet wet, getting that that energy back, being in, in the right space and feeling like himself again. With one month to go, George, there's no reason at this point to doubt that we will see the you know Shaq get back to that elite level sooner rather than later. That's a huge sign for this defense and a huge sign again in, in helping Anthony Richardson because if the defense is getting turnovers, getting short field for the offense, getting stops, it's we talked about the pressure put on his shoulders with the John and Taylor situation. That takes a little bit off if your defense, unlike last year, is helping you out and make it a place for you to make your job and your life a little bit easier. Thousand percent. You know, I think if Shaq is able just to be out there and be 80% of who he was, it's a huge lift to this defense, which is a young defense and needs a leader like that out there on the field. Right. It's so that is again, a, a great story, a great development so far going forward that yet again is overshadowed by negative news when it comes to their running back. Let's self-inflicted stay. wounds, self-inflicted wounds. And they don't listen, George. George I don't, yeah, they do not listen. I don't know what it's going to take to get that drill through their head eventually, but maybe if they listen to the podcast, we can give free PR advice. Just be honest, get control of the situation. That's, that's, that's like journalism 101. Yep. Yep. No, I it's PR, it's PR 101, I should say. It is insane, but uh, that, that that's the world we live in. I, I, one more thing that, because you always ask me before the show, and then I'm not thinking like, you know, what, what else do we need to talk about? One more thing that just popped into my head is we're thinking about positives. Alec Pierce doesn't have a lot of catches. Um, I mean, he's not, he's caught what he's been targeted, but he's not like lighting up camp that way. He's open all the time. And, and I think Jim Bob Cooter was talking about it yesterday that, you know, when they go back and they look at, tape and and it, his route might be on the back end of the play so it wasn't part of the progression but they're just you know look at this that was a great route he is making that year two leap in, in ways that are obvious his separation right now is ridiculous uh he's almost uncoverable out here so you know as we talk about the negative because we have to that's our job that's what we're here to do we're going to give it you know everything to you good and bad uh, Alec Pierce is another one of those things flying under the radar, uh, really looking good in his second training camp with the Indianapolis Colts. And obviously that's a massive factor because again, we talked about before one of the strong points of Anthony Richards's game right now, right? Is a deep ball. And obviously for the Colts, Alec Pierce is that deep ball threat. And someone that you would think would build a strong or need to build a strong connection early on um, to get Richardson going here and kind of make some plays deep on an offense, especially last year. That was horrific at, at explosive plays and plays over 20 yards. That hopefully is going to change this year. And again, lean into what Anthony Richardson does well. That kind of feels like the, the one of the tenors of a Shane Sykin offense is lean into what the quarterback you have does well. 
and the depot works well. And like I said, right now that that connection so far is building up steam is what a touchdown. Was that a touchdown each on Saturday and Sunday? You know, we had a, a Pierce had a touchdown on Sunday. They have he one did on Saturday Sunday. too. I don't think he did Saturday. He did on Sunday, and uh, and it was a you know it was a deep throw. It was a deep play, and and those are that's what you want to see. Now, granted, it's a young secondary, and so he should be doing this to them, and and we'll we'll see how it goes. You know, in the preseason or when the Bears get here or when they're over in Philadelphia, uh, and he's dealing with more veteran defensive players. But it's it's a really positive step uh, for one of the guys that I think you're looking to make that leap this year. Absolutely. And one of the guys that's going to be huge in the development of Anthony Richardson, especially in his rookie year. Speaking of which, George, a big weekend for Anthony Richardson. A lot of hype. Hype so loud, George. I heard it all the way in Arizona. There was a big, big, big weekend for AR in terms of what he did in 11-on-11 drills on Saturday with the twos. On Sunday with the ones, was it five combined touchdowns, I think, through the two full team sessions over the weekend. When you, what did you see on Saturday that made it so successful, or Saturday and Sunday make it so successful? And then today on Tuesday, we talked about, right, the, the big thing rich in this year is going to be consistency. Obviously, Saturday and Sunday, two of his best practices, maybe the two best practices he's had so far in training camp, was able to take that momentum from Saturday into Tuesday as well. Well, the first part of that is no. No, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't bad as he was, though, at the early part of last week. I think the biggest thing last week to me was Tuesday was maybe his worst practice of training camp. And Thursday was a tick better. You know, it was still in the, the negative side, but but moving up. And then Saturday and Sunday, you put back-to-back your two best practices together, uh, which is what you want to see. That's the path you want to see with him, that improvement, you know, making those strides and, and getting there. Today was a little bit rougher. His numbers were not as bad raw numbers in 11 on 11 he was four or five the one incompletion was intercepted by kevin tolliver working with the twos today but the ball placement wasn't there uh there was a pass interference that that would have been an incompletion that you know the flag kind of saved him the ball was late it, it needed to be out earlier he probably needed if he throws that ball a little bit deeper which he's more than capable of it might be a touchdown um so even the fact that it's a flag it's it's not it was, it would, I mean, a game, you're going to take it because you're going to get a first down, you know, down like the 15 yard line, but it's not, it's not ideal. Uh, he was off target a little bit in the seven on seven today, which we've seen in the past from him. It, that's one thing that, that, that that's unique with him. He tends to struggle more in seven on seven than he does in 11 on 11. Hmm. And I wonder if that is thinking too much because you don't have the defensive line and you do have time. And I think when he's in rhythm, and he's out there and he's just playing. He's doing better right now. I think when he starts analysis, you know, paralysis by analysis sometimes and seven on seven, uh, not that, I mean, it's still this, none of this is to say that, you know, Oh, it's the end of the world. He's a rookie. You're going to have these things happen. Um, I think probably the, the moment he probably wants back the most today, uh, they did a four minute drill at the end of the day and you, you know, trying to run the clock out and he did a scramble he wasn't touched. He went to the ground. He fumbled. The defense got it and got off the field. And that's a part of his game that's going to be really important. And it's not, again, that's not the end of the world. But it's just kind of playing into today was not his best day. Uh, but that being said, this weekend was was everything you hope to see from him. And a lot of that was him just being more comfortable back there. You could just see him um, – his command of the offense, his command of the playbook was, was there – um, some of the throws that he made on Saturday and Sunday were just ridiculous in terms of, you know, throwing off his back foot and throwing it like 25 yards on a dime to somebody. Uh, those are things that you can't teach. 
that he just has that that you know not many people on earth are able to do um nine of 11 on saturday and the two incompletions one was a thousand percent on mike strong shane Sykin was running down the sideline yelling at him after the play he just didn't look back to the ball it was miscommunication you know uh, richardson threw it in rhythm and and strong never knew it was coming and the ball just went out of the sideline and you know was in completion. The other one was a deep ball that the receiver went to the ground for and, and didn't come up with, which going to happen. You're going to live with that. I mean, you're nine 11 and those are your two incompletions. And a lot of your nine completions were, you know, big time throws. I know he had a touchdown to through Ogletree uh, on a really nice pass over the middle in that. And then on Sunday he came back, he had the deep ball to Pierce. He had a uh, two minute drill. It was really a 46 second drill. They, they had the ball at their own 25 yard line no timeouts, down eight. They had to score and get a two-point conversion. And I think the third play, he throws about a 15-yard touchdown pass to Kylan Granson that was beautiful. It was everything you want to see. And then he runs in the two-point conversion himself. So, you know, won that drill. They looked really good. Um, now I think Tuesday was a, a step backwards. It's still above where he was last year when he was down, last week when he was down. But I think what's interesting with him is when he has a good practice or a bad practice, you always want to see how the next day goes. And what you're seeing from him so far in training camp is he's bouncing back well and he's improving and he's growing every day. And I, that's what more can you ask for? And the thing that I like a lot, um, I saw Zaire Franklin say, and that's going to be huge this year, is how much more comfortable and in control he is of the offense. Because, look, it's very simple, but it's also very true. Like, once you understand the offense, everything slows down. Once you know what the defense is doing, the entire game just kind of comes to you. And when things are now slowing down, you truly are able to unleash the full potential of Anthony Richardson's athletic ability. Now, the one thing that's going to slow him down, the one yep. thing that's going to be the biggest hindrance is his brain. Like you said, like it's paralysis by analysis, being undecisive or uncertain of what coverage they're in, where to go with the ball, how to adjust the, you know, the play call. Am I comfortable in this read? Am I truly sure it's this? When you have the indecision, um, it truly hurts his ability to be a playmaker either with his arm or with his legs if you're constantly second-guessing yourself and not feeling truly comfortable in what the defense is doing and what the play call is asking you to do as well from both sides of the ball. And so to hear you know Zaire talk about from a defensive perspective how much more comfortable he thinks and Anthony Richardson looks, like I said, bad plays are going to happen. We talked about it. We said the, the word consistency a million times. We'll say it a million times more, George, going forward. That's going to be the biggest thing from the season – but one of the ways to help make that consistency more of a trend going forward here and obviously being consistently good is getting comfortable, knowing the offense in and out, and allowing the game to come to you. And that's when I think we'll see Richardson truly be at his best. It's going to be a long process. But at least early on, you hear about Richardson's work ethic. You hear about him constantly studying the playbook. And now you're starting to see tangibly small results of that where you truly start to see the more comfortable, the more he's able to grasp. Now, all of a sudden, the freer he's playing and the more confident that his game is. Yeah, it definitely starts to pay off. And I think the thing with him, it isn't so much knowing the offense or, you know, knowing where to go with the ball. I think he's an extremely smart football kid. You know, everything I've heard from him, uh, both when we talk to him, when you talk to the other guys on the team, when you talk to the coaches, is that he just he processes information so quickly uh, and he gets it. You know, he's picking up the offense. I think for him, it's more – getting into your mind about fundamentals instead of playing, you know, I think at times he's, he's back there and he, cause like I said, he's struggling more in seven on seven than he is in 11 on 11, which to me, I, I think it's more about 
him having that time to worry about, okay, where's my step here? Or, you know, what arm angle am I going to use? I think when he just goes out there and plays and, and is free and lets it out, you see him play on his sin- instincts, play on his intelligence, use his athleticism, use his incredible God-given gifts, uh, then then he's pretty hard to stop. But I think when he starts getting into his head and starts thinking about, okay, this many step drop and, you know, put my foot here and, and do, I think that's when he gets into trouble. And I'm really excited to see how that transits over on Saturday when the when the Colts do uh-huh. play their first preseason game. We'll talk more on Thursday's podcast about hopefully by that point we'll figure out who is the starter and how many reps Richardson will, will get in that game against Buffalo. But really excited to kind of see for the first time him play against a different opponent. And if that changes, like I said, his footwork, and we'll try to see how comfortable he is um, in his first professional action um, on Sunday or uh, excuse me, on Saturday. In, uh, in Buffalo. Before we wrap up here, George, one of the biggest areas going into this team that, or going into this season that's a question mark for this team is offensive line. We've not talked a lot about the offensive line in part because they're not doing a lot, right? Most of the practices so far have been in, in lower pad or, or upper pads or T-shirts and helmets. You're not doing a lot. Even full pads, you know, there's not a lot of live periods. Um, but you had, a, I thought, a really good feature, George, this week about Tony Sperano Jr., and his first chance at being a, a full-time offensive line coach and how he's rallying with the guys and how he's coaching so far. We'll truly, hopefully, see a lot of those guys playing on, on Saturday in Buffalo, but if not, we'll see it, I'm sure, in the joint practices next week against the Bears. So we should be able to see sooner rather than later the early fruits, hopefully, of Tony Sperano Jr.'s labor. But at least early on, George, um, how are the how are the offensive line, how are they gelling with the new coach? What have you seen from Tony Sperano Jr. that maybe is a little different um, than past years? Like how, how are the guys right now so far reacting to their new O-line coach? They love him. They absolutely love him. Uh, and I think one of the things, you know, there's a lot made in, in the off season about Shane hired him, but he, they didn't have a, like a history together. They, there wasn't, you know, Tony wasn't with him with the chargers or the Eagles. And, and that's usually the way this goes. Uh, and you're thinking, well, you know, what, what is it about these two? And I think what you realize talking to both of them is they're both so detail oriented. They're both down to the last period in the sentence, you know, looking things up. And one of the big things that, that Quentin Nelson was talking about the other day was Sperano's texting him at all hours of the night. You know, they, they, they've had meetings all day and then he's getting these texts and Sperano said, yeah, I'm 100 percent guilty of that. But I'll see something and and I want to let that guy know it right now in the moment. I, it, we might not get it to it in the meeting the next day. There might not be time. And I've seen it now. And so I want to get it out there right now because this might help this player. And so he's texting these guys, sending them video, you know, with voiceovers or just a little text and saying, hey, I saw this on this play. What do you think? You know, we could do this this way. We could do whatever. I think that level of detail, it adds accountability to everything you do. Because when you're going that deep and you're watching every step you take, and he's being honest by all accounts in 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 the in the meeting rooms and in the film room, it, it adds that everybody takes a little more pride in what they're doing. Then. Because if your coach is, is that detail oriented, you're going to be that detail oriented. And I think it's just the number one thing with the offensive line. And this is not, you know, I'm not breaking news here. I'm not shocking anybody. Is that chemistry? You know, you hear from Sperano almost every time he talks to us, five is one. That's his big thing. Five is one. And I think you need that level of detail to get there. You got to know what everybody else is doing. You got to know where they're going to be. And that means being very precise in everything you do. And 
How's that going to translate to the field? We'll see. You know, uh, Jim Bob Cooter seems to be a, a pretty straight shooter. He seems like a guy who kind of tells it like it is, you know, when, when we've had him so far. And he said they've won some, they've lost some uh, up front in these full padded practices. But he also said that he's seen a couple times that that little push up front, that little double team from the guard in the center that you need that opens that lane and gives that running back that two-way, you know, choice when he comes to the hole uh, and leads to these big plays. So I think they're feeling like things are heading the right way. Now, obviously, that that could change. You could get up to Buffalo and, and not be able to run the ball and feel different, you know, or get into the joint practices with Chicago and not be able to break anything and feel differently. But right now, as we sit here August 8th, I think they feel like things are heading in the right direction. And I think a lot of that goes to an offensive line coach who's just not going to let anything slide. Two words you said that I think are huge. Like you said, it's early on and we will not see anything until Buffalo, but really even not until Jacksonville week number one. So it all is just good word speak for now. We got to see it in action, obviously, once the games do start. But two words you said that I thought really were lost last year, uh, and that was chemistry and accountability. You you talked about five as one. Last year, George, how many times we watched the offensive line that felt like there was five playing uh, as five? Everyone's doing different things. No one's 100% sure about who's getting where. How many blown assignments did we see um, where free rushers coming off the edge in the interior that gave whoever's quarterbacking no chance to make some sort of play or give no uh, no hole for Jonathan Taylor to run through? There was a lot of miscommunication. That was a word talked about a lot last year that was never fixed. And that goes to the second word you said, accountability. And it felt like at times no one was taking ownership of the horrendous offensive line play. And then nothing speaks larger to that than the Giants game where you have Kayvon Thibodeau doing the snow angels. Nick Foles is dead on the ground and no one does anything. No How one did you let that move. happen in your backyard, by the way? How did you let that happen in your backyard? You know why? I was on a plane to the Rose Bowl. That's why, George. <laughs> they knew I was not in the building. And so they thought oh, we can get away with it. No problem. Ryan won't be there to hold us accountable and won't be yelling uh, from the upper deck. Uh, that's the only reason why. So you're welcome to all five guys because Quentin Nelson, I'm sure if he saw me in person, he would be very afraid. <laughs> I am physically imposing, especially, especially to a guy like Quentin Nelson size. That's that's for sure. So he was lucky that day. He, he was lucky. But like, that's like, that's all you need, George. That was the epitome mm-hmm. of the entire season. One play summed up the entire, um, the entire issue for that line last year. So to hear those two words being kind of the focus for this year, accountability and chemistry after last year wasn't, again, the Colts, I think, are taking a risk by banking on that it was more coaching last year than talent. Um, and so far, at least that at least it's good to hear that those two areas are the focus because those are the two areas severely lacking last year. So hopefully Ballard is right in the sense that he identified what truly was wrong and they found a guy in Tony Sperano Jr., that is able to at least again right now focus on those two wrongs to try to make them rights. I also know that he's smarter than Sean Payton because he would not touch any question about what went wrong last year. He just said, I wasn't here last year and I'm not going to talk about that. I don't know how they were coached. I don't know what they were seeing. I don't know what was going on. And I frankly don't care. It's not about last year. It's about what we do from this point forward. And I just thought, okay, smarter than the Broncos head coach. He didn't say that Chris Strauss's job last year is one of the worst coaching jobs he's ever seen. He did not say that. Wow. And, I, and, and you know, he probably could say that in Indianapolis and not get a lot of pushback, but I was going to say, was, he is Who's saying he's wrong. He is intelligent enough enough to know not to say that. Uh, and he just avoided that question altogether. And I will like- say this. Sperano is a very likable guy. He, he is. 
like central casting for offensive line coach. I mean, he's, he's exactly what you think you're getting uh, from, from that uh, mentality and, and from, you know, he, he, he likes to poke fun at himself a lot. Like, he's like, just look at me. I'm not a quarterback guy. I'm not going to be out there coaching the quarterbacks, you know? Uh, but I think he, I think that helps because I think in a way, I think the offensive linemen, that's, that's, it's a family, right? I mean, among all the groups, especially here, they, they eat together, they go out together. They're, you know, they're, they're together almost all the time. Uh, and I think Sperano is able to fit into that. I think he's one of the guys in the ways that matter, but also, uh, you know, being able to hold them accountable and being able to, to, to point out what, what needs to be done. So how does that all work out? I, who knows, you know, good approaches from the coach, get you about halfway there you still need to to execute on the field it, you know that's ultimately how this is going to be judged and Sperano's not going to be judged by what players said about him in August he's going to be judged by you know yards per carry and sacks and all those things that last year were, were nowhere near where they need to be no that is for sure and again we talked about numerous times already how important the offensive line play is going to be for Anthony Richardson's development and again the, the John and Taylor situation is not helping uh, only adding more pressure, but what again? Two things that could help alleviate that: the play of Alec Pierce, which so far again, like that connection seems to be blossoming, and, and it looks early on that Alec Pierce could be in line for a big year two breakout. And the offensive line, the five guys in front of him, playing as one, giving him time to go through his reads, giving him time and holes to open up if he does run the ball, and make his job, make his life a whole hell of a lot easier than Matt Ryan had it, than Nick Foles had it, and then uh, and Sam Ellinger had it last year. So we'll get our first taste uh, in Buffalo. More Thursday's pod is going to be because the Colts are off on Wednesday. Thursday's pod is going to be a lot about to the the preseason uh, game number one preview. How much will Anthony Richardson play? Hopefully, George. I mean, I'm hoping we get some sort of answers of who's going to be the starters, who's going to play, who's not going to play after Thursday's practice is over. But also, if there's any indication so far of how Shane Sykin has run things, uh, I would not expect that. He did say we can get quarterback answers later in the week, so. It doesn't get later than Thursday, so we'll okay. see. We Maybe we'll see how see. that goes. Will you overreact to who is the starter on Saturday? I won't, but I guarantee you that uh, <laughs> the social media world will. I guarantee you'll hear a, a collective groan from everyone across the state of Indiana if you hear Shane Sykin say Gardner Minshew will be QB1 to start the season or start the uh, start the preseason in Buffalo. Absolutely. You know, and I do think it's interesting because I think there's a, I think there's a case to be made that, that Richardson needs not just time with his own ones because he really hasn't had a ton of it. They're splitting reps out here. Uh, They split reps in the spring. Some of those guys were out, as we mentioned, didn't practice in the spring. So not only does he need reps with his own ones, but I think he needs to go against the first team defense too. I don't know if he's getting as much uh, even out here. I don't know if he's getting as much the days he goes against twos. Uh, I don't know if he'll get as much going against Buffalo. Now, if it's like last year, Buffalo didn't play their ones. So, you know, there may be no reps against the ones to be had, but uh, I do think he's going to get more out of like the joint practices with the bears and the Eagles. than he is probably most of these preseason games anyway. So I think we got to take that into account as well. I think you're right about that. And obviously I think, especially for this preseason game, we'll talk about this more on Thursday's pod, but I think reps are going to be more important, especially for Saturday compared to even who he's running with. Cause you're right. There's going to be no Von Miller. That's for sure. Bills have a loaded secondary. A lot of those guys, none of those guys played last year. Uh, so a lot of standout defensive players for Buffalo that probably, especially in preseason game number one, 
do not need the extra rep. So probably will be uh, in jerseys and shorts uh, when we do kick off one o'clock in Buffalo on Saturday. So George, I think we should end the pod now before another Jonathan Taylor story breaks. And we're here for another hour talking about the latest drama and his whereabouts. Phone just buzzed. Uh-oh. Do we have any do we have any last minute we'll before the buzzer breaking news? Jonathan Taylor is we're I don't good. know. No, okay. We are clear. We are clear. So we'll 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 end the pod now before something breaks. I'm sure between now and Thursday, another big story will will happen. So we are not scheduled because of culture off Wednesday to have a pod on Wednesday. Instead, we'll be back after Thursday's practice. As a big preseason game number one preview, and I'm sure we'll have playing time set and, and the quarterback and the starter set as well. So we'll kind of get you know ready for that um, that that game as well. So between now and then, try to enjoy yourself, have some sanity. Do not allow John and Taylor saga to, to bring you down too much, and have a great next few days. We'll talk to you, George, on Thursday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.